HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Happy Monday, and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My co-host is Sophie Schlesinger. Hi, everyone. And uh, today's show, we are going to be going back to the state of cheese, checking yes. them all off the list. West um, Coast. West Coast. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the state of cheese in Oregon, which um, I've just found out, thanks to my iPhone, is the Beaver <laughs> State. Uh, the Oregon state beverage happens to be milk, which is very appropriate for our show. Yep. And I think we had some other states that also had yeah. their state beverages as milk. It's I a good, so it's a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Sophie just informed me that uh, Oregon is the largest producer of hazelnuts in the United States. I think so. it's 95%. Wow. Yeah. I love hazelnuts. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and not to mention tons of good cheese. Um, so uh, uh, today we're going to be talking with um, Sasha Davies, who is an author and cheesemonger in Portland, Oregon. Um, Sasha got her start um, with cheese actually in New York City with um, artisanal premium cheese. Um, later on working for, for Murray's um, as, their, as their sort of uh, cave manager um, and uh, has done a ton of stuff in between. She's traveled across the country uh, talking with cheesemakers and uh, put together a fabulous website called cheesebyhand.com that still exists and is an awesome resource for anyone who wants to learn about um, uh, artisan cheese being made in this country. And um, she published a book in 2010 entitled um, The Guide to West Coast Cheese, More Than 300 Cheeses Handcrafted in California, Oregon, and Washington, and uh, has another book forthcoming, uh, which we'll talk about today. So, um, Sasha, are you with us? I am. Hi. Hello. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, So tell us about your new book. What's, What's it called and when's it coming out? 
So the new book is called The, che- uh, the Cheesemaker's Apprentice, and uh, it's part of a series of books uh, done by uh, Corey Publishing. They did The Brewer's Apprentice, The Pastry Chef's Apprentice, I think The Fishmonger's Apprentice, and so the book is designed for people who, uh, who think that they want to make cheese at home. And so there are recipes in there. There's a lot of how-to information, um, which I so I, I co-wrote the book in many ways because I had another um, Portland Portlander, uh, David Blackman, who's an avid home cheesemaker. Uh, he wrote all the recipes, and uh, the piece that I worked on the most was actually. Uh, an absolute delight. I got to interview uh, industry experts from all over the world uh, about their specific realm of expertise related to cheese and to ask them if they had suggestions and tips and recommendations for home cheesemakers. So it's uh, the, all of the books in the series are a combination of um, kind of how-to along with uh, interesting kind of insights and advice from people who are, you know, experts uh, in that industry. So uh, it's really, it's exciting. There are a lot of pictures in it, so there's a lot of showing in addition to telling, and um, I'm really, really excited about it. And I think it's, it's supposed to come out uh, late September or early October. Perfect time to hole up in your house and make tons yeah. of cheese. Yeah, <laughs> right? I know. Um, yeah. And especially, I feel like, I don't know, Portland seems to me like a real, like, do-it-yourself kind of town. Like, it seems like a, a wonderful place to learn about home cheese making because people, it seems like they pickle and they grow things in their yards and they have chickens. And is that kind of the vibe that, you know? Absolutely. People brew beer here. In fact, I think you guys may, you may have had... Um the woman on your show who makes the urban, it's called Urban Cheese Craft. She makes these little kits. I mean, and then you also have the New England um, Cheese Making Supply Company. You know, Ricky Carroll has her kits, but loads of people here. I mean, I think both of the, or I can think of one specialty cheese shop anyways, Foster and Dobbs, that carries rennet and uh, all kinds of, like, special salts and cultures, and there's a bunch of homebrew stores, and they all have crazy cheese-making equipment. So, yeah, there's absolutely a market for it here. That's so awesome. That's yeah. I feel like um, in New York, like, people... There's definitely a strong cheese-making community here, too, but I feel like, you know, it's, like, a little different trying to make cheese in your like weird tiny studio <laughs> apartment you know yeah and just trying to get away with it but um that is very exciting so um and then when your book comes out um can people order it uh how do you recommend that people go about getting your book probably the easiest thing for people to do is actually um if you know of a uh, cheese supply store um, in your area, I would say check there because I love supporting the small stores, but a very easy and certain place that you will be able to get it is on Amazon. So, Cool. Yeah, I always want to yeah. say Amazon and then I'm like, no, I've got to like explore the other options yeah. first. They're, great. they're super convenient, but it's also, you know, there's a lot of great independent uh, bookstores. Um, but I also have found that the Honestly, it's pretty, it's kind of cool how big of a crossover there is between the homebrew community and the cheese-making community. And from trying to provide people with um, good resources for, uh, like, across the United States uh, to get materials to make cheese at home, doing that research, it really feels like that's pretty consistent across the country that 
stores that are selling things for home brewers are also selling, you know, cultures and things for home cheesemakers. So that's a good place to start looking. And if they don't carry it, you should ask them why they're not carrying it, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Get the get it out there. Exactly. Um, well, so you mentioned um, Foster and Dobbs as being a great cheese destination um, in Portland. Uh, what are your other favorite places to eat cheese? Uh, shops, restaurants, um, just anything that comes to mind. Farmers markets. Oh, so there's, I mean, especially this time of year, there's just a million and one. Far, it seems like every, any day of the week, uh, at least in Portland, there's a farmer's market. And I would say at every farmer's market, the uh, local artisan cheeses are incredibly well represented. I can't think of a single market that has less than three cheesemakers at it. And these can be, uh, you know, really tiny uh, markets that are in little neighborhoods uh, that happen once a week. But even there, you'll find about three artisan cheesemakers. So that's yeah. a pretty exciting place. And I like it because a lot of the a lot of the stands are still run by the cheesemaker. Not always. I don't want to overpromise there, but uh, there are there are definitely um, quite a few cheesemakers themselves out there selling their products. And I think that's a fun fun way to uh, learn more about cheeses that you really love. Um, and then what else? We've got Foster and Dobbs is great. Um, I'm sure that everybody in the world knows uh, Steve Jones, the owner of Cheese Bar, <laughs> yeah. and also the international cheesemonger champion from 2010. <laughs> um, he has a great selection, and he is incredibly committed to the region, so Oregon, the, the larger Pacific Northwest. Um, but he, he, you know, has helped a lot of Oregon cheesemakers kind of get their start in a in a retail um, retail store. So. That's a great, fun place to shop for cheese. And then I have to say that the, uh, I think, New Seasons Market, which is almost like a, I uh, hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but it's like a slightly less dogmatic Whole Foods that's <laughs> local. Yeah. And I say that because, like, you know, you, you go to New Seasons and you can get, like, regular sugar in addition to like agave and date palm sugar and all right. those kind of alternatives you know they sell like regular stuff alongside the stuff you, know, you feel really healthy buying so um <laughs> they do a great job actually supporting local cheesemakers as well and um I like shopping there because since moving away from New York, I totally love shopping at a supermarket. <laughs> so I know that it's, you're supposed to feel the exact opposite way, you know, where you want to go to the butcher and then, you know, the vegetable guy and then the fish guy and then the bakery. And sometimes I feel like doing that, but a lot of times I think, man, there's a great reason why people made supermarkets. They're really awesome. You can kind of get everything <laughs> in one place. So. Um, so I think New Seasons is also great for um, for local cheeses, and they're a really small chain that's only in um, only in uh, Oregon, and I think they have one store in very 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 southern Washington. So um, those would be my those would be my picks, if you will, for um, for shopping for cheese. And one other kind of nod to Steve Jones, he's done an amazing job cultivating a following among restaurants. So I would say, you know, almost every top restaurant in, uh, in Portland 
buys their cheese, has cheese provided for them by uh, Steve Jones, which is fantastic. And the restaurants are just, every restaurant I feel like that you might have read about in the New York Times uh, that's in Oregon, that's in Portland, that doesn't have a food cart or isn't a food cart, um, (laughs) pretty much every one of those will have a cheese plate. It's a very... Very, very common uh, common thing. A lot of the breweries have them as well. Um, trying to think of one in particular stands out, but there isn't one that's leaping to my mind. It's like these guys have the most stellar cheese plate. Um, but they're almost, they're just all over. I feel like you can't go wrong. That's awesome that that's so widely available because I feel like, you know, that's not always the case that, you know, people are sort of conscious of all yeah. their local cheeses. And actually another fact that I read before the show is that Oregon has I think maybe the most breweries per square foot or something something like that there are a lot of breweries per so, yeah. Or per, yeah yeah we have a lot of breweries so and it's we cool have, that yeah and we also have a lot of um what sort I'm looking for Bar- bars where there are strippers what are they called? Strip clubs. <laughs> Strip clubs. That's what they're called. They're, we have like the most of those per capita in the country too. Wow. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know that they serve cheese. I'm totally yeah, fine that knows. they don't. But there's also, uh, the, it's just, we're silly. Steve, with, that's uh, another market. Yeah. Out here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Well, so you, what's your, what's your perspective on Oregon cheese? Because you've kind of seen it all. I mean, you traveled the country meeting small cheesemakers and now have lived in Oregon for a couple of years. Um, what's the cheese scene like in terms of cheesemakers? How has it changed? How is it, um, you know, sort of evolving? That's a really great question. I would say, so when we did um, our trip around the country, it was in 2006, and I remember, you know, we came to Oregon was the halfway, I mean, it was one of, it was, you know, at the West Coast, so I want to say it's almost the turnaround point, you know, it's about, um, yeah, it's about, uh, well, it's higher than midway up, but anyway, I'm going to get in trouble with my bad geography here, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, it was just, it was halfway through the trip, and I remember talking to my husband who did the, the trip with me, and we both agreed. Wow, you know, there's something really interesting happening on the on the West Coast. It felt like it was the region in the country that was kind of you would I would compare it to Vermont at that same time, where not only were there a lot of cheesemakers coming online, but the quality was high across mm. the board. Uh, and I think, you know, the there are a few people who have really helped to to raise that bar in and, and to raise the um, to bring resources to Oregon to help cheesemakers uh, learn and improve. And I would say one of those is uh, the folks at Oregon State University, um, particularly Elizabeth Goddick, who's just been a champion for Oregon cheesemakers and has brought international experts in to teach classes for members of the Oregon Cheese Guild and just done a lot. Uh, the, the folks at uh, Rogue Creamery have also uh, done a lot to support that guild, um, along with, you know, all of its members uh, who are they're very good, I feel like, at advocating for themselves and bringing resources here to try to help everyone improve. Um, so, yeah, that's what, and I and I think that what's interesting is it felt like there was this explosion of growth when we were out here in 2006, and it does feel like 
it has found a more even pace. You know, mm. so there aren't three creameries opening every year. It's it's slowed. You know, but that's what it was like, right? I feel like it was like that in on the East Coast too. I and I don't know if you would second that. Um, that's about when you went into business, right? You yeah. opened in. Yeah, I opened yeah. in 2006, too, and I feel like, yeah, when I opened my shop, I kind of had, like, a landscape in my head of, like, who was doing what where, and from then to now, I mean, I'm, like, I'm I'm totally clueless. I mean, there are so <laughs> many new people. It's just crazy. I mean, people, luckily, you know, will kind of call us and, like, send us stuff or, or give us a heads up as to what's going on, but um, I feel like that that's when the, the boom of like everyone starting was, and now everyone kind of is like reaching this like point of maturity where they're making really good cheese and, um, just a little bit more established. Um, but yeah, it was really, that was a really interesting moment for sure. Yeah. And I, in some ways I think part of the slowdown in terms of more people coming online as quickly as they were at some point is I think because the quality has risen across the board. The bar is higher for kind of where you have to be to get started in terms of your cheese-making skills. And so I think that has just altered the pace a little bit. It's just slowed, slowed the growth just a nudge. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting because, yeah, you don't want to get into it if you're going to be trying to reinvent the wheel. But right. I, I wonder also, yeah, I don't know if like something about like the actual like reality of like running a small dairy and having animals and like, you know, if that, you know, started to like come into people's consciousness more too, because I feel like so many people kind of got started making cheese um, who really hadn't spent too much time on a farm, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. just like all of a sudden like, wait, what's going on? What, we can't go on vacation anymore and like <laughs> we have to milk these animals twice a day and like be here all the time so well and I know that when I moved here in 2008 I um, I, I worked a little bit for um, for Steve at his old location and I remember asking him so give me the skinny who makes the great local small production yogurt which I had become completely accustomed to having you know five or six options in the New York market and he said, no one. If you want that, you'll need to make it. And uh, when I looked into it, I called the Department of Ag, and they, the, the man that I spoke with was not, I wouldn't say he was unsupportive, but he was honest <laughs> enough that it made me run screaming. You know, he just said, oh, you won't be able to open a plant for less than a quarter of a million dollars. Ah, that's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, so. I, so on the yogurt tip, I do owe you a big thank you because you turned me on to Three Corner Field Farm yogurt, um, mm. which I still love love and eat as much so as good. I can. So thank you for being such yeah. a yogurt fanatic. Yeah. Um, so what about, um, so you mentioned the Oregon Cheese Guild. So that's cool to know that there is a cheese makers kind of association. What about mm-hmm. like festivals and stuff? Do you guys have um, cheese festivals or food events that are, um, you know, think people should know about? Yeah, there, um, there, are, there are two specific cheese festivals. One is, uh, it's put on by Rogue Creamery, and it's the uh, Oregon Cheese Festival, I think is what they call it. Forgive me if I have that slightly wrong, but I, it's something in that neighborhood. And that usually happens in the very early spring, and that's down in southern Oregon um, at their facility in Central Point. And then there's another event that's been, I believe we've had 
three, possibly four of them. Um, it's a little complicated because it was every other year when it started, and then it's now, it, the popularity has grown so that they do it every year, and it's called The Wedge. And yeah. that is also uh, specifically around cheese, but it invites cheesemakers from the broader, again, it looks at the whole region of the Pacific Northwest. So cheesemakers from Washington, Idaho, and California and Oregon are all represented there. And that is usually the first or second weekend, I think, in October. Um, so those are both great kind of cheesehead events. Um, and then I would say there, there definitely are plenty of um, food festivals and events. I know uh, Steve has been part of quite a few events here in Portland that are, you know, there, there will be a brewery that does a tasting of all of its beers, and he'll bring in, you know, 10 to 12 cheeses and pair two or three cheeses with each beer, and that's kind of a, you know, four-hour thing on a Sunday afternoon, and they sell tickets for that. So there are, it seems like there are things like that happening at least, you know, twice a quarter. Um, so it's it's pretty big cheese. Cheese, beer, coffee, wine, town. We call it a liquid <laughs> town. And the only exception to the liquids part, I would say, is probably cheese. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God. If there had to be one exception, that's the, that's yeah, the right. right one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so if people want to learn more or, you know, kind of like keep up with what you're up to and, um, you know, learn about your book and your, and your travels and stuff, um, is there kind of like a centralized like website or anything that you operate or would you recommend people to go to cheesebyhand.com? I just want to let people know how they can learn more about all of your cool work. Sure. So, uh, so the best place to look is, gonna, is going to be sashadavies.com. Um, because Cheese by Hand, we just wanted to leave it out there in perpetuity, and I didn't want to kind of alter what that site was for. I just created a separate uh, website that I figured would be easy enough for people to find if, as long as they knew my name. Um, and then the one other plug that I'll throw out there is that my husband and I are actually opening a, uh, an urban winery uh, and tasting room in Portland this fall whoa um, congratulations yeah. that's yeah, awesome thank you so um information about that right now uh can be found at the um website for the winery which is called clay pigeon winery um and that's just claypigeonwinery.com so between those two sites you should be able to figure out just about everything that i'm up to <laughs> yeah Awesome. That is so cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and for enlightening us about all of the cool cheese, uh, cheesy happenings in Oregon. And uh, I know I will see you very soon at the ACS. Yes. Yeah. Very excited about that. Thanks so much. It's always so fun to be on to be on the show with you guys. Thanks. All thank right. You. Thank you, Sasha. We're going to take okay. a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Kareem Golden from Golden Artisan Goat Cheese. So stay with us. Down by the river in the valley There's pebbles in the water and owls in the trees All of us at Cane Vineyard and Winery are proud to support Heritage Radio Network and the growing movement to change the way we eat and think about our planet. For more information, Go to keen5.com. 
back on Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. You can check out Cutting the Curd and all the other fabulous shows on the network at heritageradionetwork.org. Today we are talking about the state of cheese in Oregon. Um, And our second guest, and I'm very sorry I mispronounced it before the break, is um, Corinne Golden, who is the owner of Golden Artisan Goat Cheese. Um, Thanks for being on the show with us, Corinne. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Um, so I was wondering if you could start off just by telling us a little bit about your background and how you wound up as a cheesemaker. Well, I actually um, was working in the corporate world, but um, decided to start uh, cheesemaking because I had um, previously um, lived in, in, in France. I was actually uh, raised there. And I was surrounded with cheese. I was in a cheese country in the Savoie region, the Alps, and there were a lot of cheese making going on as a child. I observed a lot. And I had a grandmother who really liked cheese, and she would um, introduce me to all these different styles. And so um, over the years, I was always very interested and then finally got um, some property with uh, some land and some goats and decided to take the plunge, basically. (laughs) <laughs> wow. And so when you took the plunge, how did you decide on goats? And how did you decide uh, what style of cheese you wanted to make? Well, um, for the goats, um, it is um, more practical because I didn't have a huge amount of land. I only have five acres. So um, goats are just basically more manageable. At least it was for me. Um, and um, so it just made more sense. And um, then having cows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Right. And then the... St- the uh, so when I started to think about going commercial, becoming a commercial cheesemaker, I kind of looked around. There was a lot of artisan uh, cheesemakers here in Oregon already. Um, and I just wanted to do something different because there was no reason to do duplication of product. And uh, so I um, basically did rustic cheeses, very much reminiscent of what I used to um, come across when I was a child that I was exposed to. And so typical French rustic cheese. Um, like a Tom de Savoie I, or something like that? Well, I yeah, the Tom de Savoie was basically the staple. I do make some Toms. Um, I, I don't actually make the Tom of, of Savoie. I don't think anybody but the people from the Savoie region really can make a very good Tom de Savoie, but um, I do make other types of Toms, and so, um, and then I also make um, some cheeses that are semi-soft or semi-firm, whichever direction you want to kind of look at it. I stay away from the chev, what they call here in the U.S., the chev, the soft um, cheese, because there's so much of it. Um, and so I make some very particular, unique cheese of my own kind. One of them is the Sertou, which is a washed rind, and it's aged about five weeks. And then I also make a Cascadian Crochet, um, which is also, um, um, it, it is also uh, actually um, five weeks old. And um, I was just trying to think. And then I do do a little Bloomy Rind cheese that is also approximately five weeks old. All three of them 
but they dis- definitely have distinctive um, play, um, taste. And where um, they're very different. And where is the biggest market for your cheese? Uh, do you sell your cheeses at local farmers markets, or do you rely on retailers or chefs? Uh, what's your yeah? I do farmers market, but I um, seem to do mostly a lot at retail level um, wholesale. I sell in a couple um, stores in the Seattle uh, region, and then um, in Seattle actually, and then I do sell a lot around the Portland area, and then I do have uh, a couple restaurants that are uh, picking up my cheese. I've only been um, a cheesemaker since 2009, so um, it's only been really basically going on my fourth year. And um, so I sell a lot of uh, specialty cheese stores. And Could uh, you name a few of them for our listeners in case people are in the area and sure, want to find your cheese? Sure, I do sell at New Season, Foster and Dobbs, um, Cheese Bar, uh, Pasta Works. Um, I'm trying to think, and then I do sell some at, in Sun, uh, Sundance, which is in the Eugene area, which is south of Portland, and then in Seattle at De Laurenti and Beatrice Cheese. Oh, great! Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a hit list. Those places are I fantastic. Know, I know. Yes, yeah, they, um, and that's a new, that's a new uh, customer for me. I'm uh, for me this year. But they did order cheese uh, twice back to back, so I think I, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. So, Good deal. Yeah, yeah. So and that's uh, that's how um, yes, that's how I operate basically. And how did you get? I mean, when you were getting started, um, what resources um, did you find in Oregon or or elsewhere that helped you? Um, you know, learn about cheese making um, and. As a subsequent question, can you comment on the community of cheesemakers um, in Oregon and how everybody sort of, uh, I don't know, shares knowledge or, um, you know, uh, works together? Well, there is a cheese guild in, in Oregon, um, and so I'm part of the cheese guild, which um, has um, uh, quite a few artisan cheesemakers. There is also um, the university, um, Oregon State University, which is an agricultural-type university, and they have a um, cheese-making class, a dairy uh, program there. And so they do offer some classes that um, are very nice. They bring in some of the well-known um, cheese-makers. They had one from France and um, others. And uh, so I can take you can take classes there. And so that has been an, an opportunity to kind of expand a little bit and learn um, from others. And uh, we also have a big uh, wedge festival in October, and that is basically a huge farmer's market, and all it is is just cheese. That sounds so great. I'm actually coming out to Portland for my first visit to Oregon ever um, in July, and I'm thinking, man, I might have to plan a subsequent trip in October because that just sounds uh, like too much fun. Actually, yeah, it is a great, great event, yeah. It is. It is. And what can you tell us about, um, you know, making cheese in the in the Pacific Northwest region? Um, maybe about the the land or the climate. You know, when I was looking at the uh, Cheese Guild website, there are a lot of cheesemakers in Oregon uh, who are making really great and respected cheese. What do you think about that climate? Uh, helps to make a great product. Well, we, uh, for example, I'm located in the, in the Willamette Valley. Um, it is very um, fertile soils here, 
it's um, really well known for agriculture. Um, there is a lot of um, pasture land, and um, so it's pretty rich soil, pretty rich grass. Um, also in Oregon, um, some of the prime um, alfalfa comes from central Oregon, which is really high in selenium, and so um, we have you know access to that. And I also think that um, it's just a milder climate, maybe not so extreme. Um, and um, I, I, I really I think that the terroir of the area is just ideal to produce really nice uh, quality cheese. It's uh, definitely there. And as we were talking with our first guest, uh, Sasha Davies, she was saying, you know, there are quite a few, well, um, breweries and obviously wineries, too. So it seems like, you know, it's a marriage of all the wonderful fermented foods uh, yeah. right in one locale. Right. right, exactly. And I do think that probably the cheese, um, the, the, uh, what the, the wine market was or um, industry was uh, 20 years ago or 30 years ago when they were just starting, and now they're still growing and booming. Um, I, I kind of foresee that maybe the cheese is going is is at that early stage, and we'll we'll have to talk in you know ten or fifteen years from now and see um, at what stage it's going to be. But I think it's very promising. Yeah, it is, and also to the public, I feel like the public is becoming more and more aware of um, unique cheese, artisan cheese. Um, they maybe have traveled to Europe and have tasted cheeses over there and are looking for the same thing here. And I think that's a good you know, area to hone on um, if you're a cheesemaker. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I certainly hope that everything continues to grow the way that it does because it's just, uh, I feel like, you know, the U.S. is becoming more like France in that regard all the time. Each uh, little locale yeah. has its special... Special cheeses, special breads, wines, pickles, you name it. And um, it's just right. really exciting. It, it is very, very exciting. And also I think it's, it's just rewarding to actually see the public um, starting to become very aware of other foods. Um, right. Well, so if everyone, uh, if our listeners want to learn more about um, your farm and the cheeses that you make, um, do you have a website where people can, uh, can check you out? I do have a website. Unfortunately, right now it's under construction, <laughs> but hopefully it will be coming up fairly soon. And it is basically my business name, www.goldenartisangoatcheese. So, uh, and that's com. and that's golden with an I, right? Golden with an I. That's important. Yeah, golden with an I. So, um, yes. It's under construction, which is the wrong time of the year to be under construction. But there hey, it is. <laughs> you know, web yeah. websites are. I feel like you know that's your cheesemaker. You can't do everything all yeah. at once. <laughs> I, that's right. That's right. Um, well, so. thank you so much for being on the show with us. It's been a real pleasure talking with you, and I certainly am going to seek your cheeses out when I uh, come to Portland this summer. So, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for thinking of uh, calling uh, Oregon and. And talking about Jesus from Oregon. This is great. Well, thanks again. And uh, and we will be back next Monday with another episode of Cutting the Curd. And we'll continue our State of Cheese series. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone. You're listening to Cutting the Curd. Hosted by Ann Saxelby. 
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our programs archived on our website or by searching iTunes for Heritage Radio Network. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website. Thanks for listening.